Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This podcast contains strong language and adult themes from the outset. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to Because You Watched, the podcast where comedians invent brand new movie and TV show ideas. My name's Beck Hill, and I'm joined as ever by the Tallulah to my Bugsy, the Bonnie to my Clyde, the Mr. Pink to my Stuck in the Middle with You guy. It's producer Rory. Yep, that's me. I'm the rat. <laughs> hey, also, before you properly introduce yourself, I want to jump in because your mum listens to this. Hi, producer yes, Rory's mum. <laughs> producer mum. Yeah, no, she, 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 she's, she's the biggest fan of the show. She goes bananas. She's show. amazing. And she sent us uh, two full handwritten pages of uh, partner <laughs> character ideas for my intros, which yeah. I love. Also, her handwriting is impeccable. It's so neat. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get that from her. My handwriting's appalling. <laughs> well, she like I was going to read out three of my favorites, and she did because there's some, it's yeah. chock full of like cup like pairs. My favorite ones were the badger to my bodger, <laughs> the dom to my dick, <laughs> which sounds like a, a Google search you need to be careful about. It didn't seem it didn't seem weird until you read it out. I'll be honest, I read that one and didn't think much about it. You can't even type that into Google. <laughs> <laughs> And um and the Pikachu to my Ash Catchem, which I love oh. because she she even included Ash's surname Catchem, but also yeah. I love the fact that she has a Pokemon reference. Yeah, she legend. must have learned that one from me. That that's that's a relic of my youth, probably. I love it. I love it. So big big up to Rory's mum. Hello, thank you for listening. <laughs> Now, why are you here, Rory? Tell everyone else about you, other than your awesome mum. <laughs> it's mostly the mum thing. But the other reason I'm here <laughs> is that I am here to uh, present uh, all of you fantastic creative people with a category. And uh, then, as you come up with your amazing, amazing ideas, I'm going to write those down and uh, get them into shape to be the best they could possibly be. And hopefully, uh, some of these shows get made. And, I mean, it's never happened before, but who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always the best way to open up these, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen to this. They'll probably never be heard anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, we've had we've had a 0% hit rate, <laughs> but who's to say? And uh, speaking of the people coming up with those pictures, I'm going to introduce you to our first incredible guest. You'll know him from Live at the Apollo, Mock the Week, and 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, his BBC sitcom Sunny D, and his hit podcast Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, I mean, I think I just gave him away. It's Dame Baptiste. <laughs> hello, everybody. Hello, hello, everybody. I feel like, yeah, it, I mean, it seems kind of self-referential and kind of vain to have a podcast named after myself. So, you know, 
Thanks for that. As opposed to because you watched with Beck Hill, <laughs> where they've just they've just inserted it underneath the title on the on the image. But with Beck Hill leaves the whole podcast brand open to you being replaced because it's an evil industry. Whereas with me, then it's going to be like, who questions everything? But I'm so happy to be here, everybody. Hello, hello to Beck Hill and hello, hello producer Rory. Hello and. Uh, Technically, your mum's a natural producer anyway, because she made you, right? So Yeah, she produced yeah. a producer. It's very Watchmen. She's a producer, producer. Yeah. That's it. I like it. It's so nice to be here, guys. What's happening? Uh, Dane, how's your cupboard? Uh, cupboard is uh, stocked uh, with uh, preserves <laughs> and uh, food for thought and consumption. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, because the, the thought stuff is when I'm like, I think I should buy some more of this, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the cupboard is still, uh, I'd like to think, is still a cool and dry and able to uh, keep, thing, keep things safe from perishing too quickly. Oh, that's good. I was actually yeah. just talking to my dad on the phone this morning because he has his own uh, off-grid house that he's been building with my stepmom. And... Uh, we we got into the subject of doomsday preppers because <laughs> there is a really fine line between people who build environmentally friendly housing and doomsday preppers. And we were just talking about all the different ways that you could hide food in various panels and stuff. Because like there was, a, I was watching a documentary on it, and there was a woman who would take her doors off of the hinges and take off panels and put food in them, and then like put the panels of the doors back together so all of her doors were like filled with M&Ms and stuff. Uh, yeah. Her, 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 her name is the Hansel and Gretel witch. That's, 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 that's who that is. She's basically building a house to lure children in to boil them in a cauldron and eat them. Uh, we've seen this before. Well, the children have a lot more meat on them than, than M&Ms. M&M, I mean, there's an M&Ms world and kids are queuing around there. She knows what she's doing. I'm saying... <laughs> Let's nip it in the bud before these kids start going missing. I would pay to watch that episode of Grand Designs. That would be incredible. <laughs> I, I'd pay to watch that part of the Saw franchise. So <laughs> we, we both see it going different ways. You're, the crossover you never thought would happen. Exactly. Your, your, your leg is coated in a chocolate confectionery. You must eat through it in order to escape. I'm allergic to nuts. Well, let the games begin. <laughs> well, I mean, already... We've got to get you onto another podcast because that's a fantastic pitch. We'll have to do <laughs> those ones next. You may have also heard just a little extra voice there, and that, of course, is our second guest, friend, confident cat collector, Matt Hyden. I like how Dane got a really good CV at the beginning of his <laughs> intro, and I got cat collector. <laughs> Listen, that runs the internet, so you're in it. Really, you're a net investor when you think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Playing the long game, guys. Playing That's the it. long game. Keep those cats coming, guys. Uh, new video up this week. Matt, how's your cupboard? My cupboard is clammy, but the oh. panels are full of crisps, so it's fine. <laughs> Rory? What's our category this week? So our category this week is Gangster Thrillers, which is a real category on Netflix, and it has 16 titles within it at time of recording. That includes things like Reservoir Dogs, Scarface, and Siberia, which is a Keanu Reeves gangster film from 2018 that has somehow been erased from the collective consciousness completely. Uh, I had no memory of this, even though it came out two years ago. 
Um, and that's probably because it has 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. So oh. not his biggest hit of the 2018s, I would assume. Uh, so has anyone here got a taste for the gangster thriller genre? Has anyone dipped their toes in before? Any of their favourites which aren't on this list, unless your favourite is Siberia, starring Keanu Reeves? I've, I mean, the titles, aforementioned titles, I'm uh, au fait with. Um, but yeah, I've kind of fallen back on the whole gangster thing, thriller thing for a while. I think the last gangster thriller I followed was, I guess it's Narcos is probably the closest one. I'm not sure if that's included. So is Narcos there too? N- Narcos isn't on this list, but I think there's definitely an argument to be made that it should be within the gangster thriller. Genre. I think so. But the problem is, I think the demographic that enjoys gangster thrillers are like, I'm not reading subtitles, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've got, we've, got, we've got the definition of gangster and thriller. The definition of gangster is, a gangster is a criminal who is a member of a gang. Some gangs are considered part of organized crime. So that sounds to me like Narcos definitely fits in there. And thriller uh, is uh, a genre of fiction having numerous overlapping genres it says thrillers are characterized and defined by the moods they elicit to be viewers be having a heightened feeling of suspense excitement surprise anticipation or anxiety which i think would also count for narcos so i think with those absolutely that fits in yeah i've, I've seen goodfellas it has that really long one shot scene hmm. which is good fellas you sounded like you'd done your homework there and you, that was the sentence you wrote for Goodfellas. It has that one-shot scene. Are you wearing a fucking wire, Beck Hill? You wearing a fucking wire? You sound like you're wearing a wire right now. That's uh, that's normally the, the, that's the thriller part normally in the gangster films is the pivotal part when someone yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. I think we found yeah. a fucking rat. You call me a rat, don't you? So I think that is definitely a trope of gangster media is there being a rat and someone wearing a wire. So I, I decided to look more into this, into kind of what are the tropes of gangster films. So I went to a website called TV Tropes, which I remember being quite good for this sort of thing. Um, however, I found a, a kind of thing where it seems TV Trump, uh, TV Trumps, TV Tropes <laughs> is so oversaturated with tropes at this point that uh, kind of like Syndrome in the Incredibles, when everything is a trope, nothing is a trope. So I, I went in there and looked at the Goodfellas tropes. And it has stuff like, adaptional attractiveness being someone who is adapted to look more attractive also right next to it is adaptional ugliness when someone is adapted (laughs) and looks uglier so basically what we've got here is someone is played by an actor who doesn't look like them (laughs) it's almost like if when you have castings for like ugly goon guy in my head I always win a be or the fly in the wall for the actors that didn't get it. Oh, oh yeah. How'd it go, Dominic? He yeah. said I was the, I was more classical ugly, eh? and they're looking for more of a <laughs> more of a rust. They're looking for more of a rustic ugly, you know? Yeah. yeah. Look, don't, don't get me wrong. You're more than ugly enough, but you're just not talented enough. That's Sorry. What, I can't believe they said it again, Dominic. You'll get it, baby. Oh, thank you for your support. Mm. Hey, hey, hey! You're ugly now. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the category you've given us, Rory, is gangster thriller. We're going to jump over to Matt. Let's hear your first pitch. Okay. I I generally am so happy with this film. Um, First of all, there's a trope in the gangster genre that I think hasn't been exposed enough, and that's the cooking. Like, if you watch a Scorsese film, it's all about the food. I know there's gangsters in it, but it's all about the food. So my film is called Chef's Kiss. And this is a synopsis. As far back as he could remember, Joey DiCino always wanted to be a chef. Fond memories of his youth are cooking for his larger-than-life dad and his wise guy friends. And despite pressures to join the family business, Joey's only dream is to one day own a restaurant. Ten years later, he cradles his dying father in his arms who's been shot by a big-time mod boss. And his father sees the error of his ways, giving Joey enough money to start his dream and buy a restaurant, 
keeping out of the mob. Joey finds a cheap restaurant at the Five Points, which is known to him as the focus point of all the major gangs in New York. And because of his family ties and his food being so good, it quickly becomes the go-to place for the mob to eat. Joey tries to get them out, but they keep coming back in. And soon, (laughs) his restaurant is the place where all the gangs meet because they want a piece of his pie. Actual pie, not his business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Joey's place becomes the neutral negotiating ground for all the gangs in New York, uh, where there's no violence allowed, and boss and mob bosses discuss problematic characters. And if they decide they are a problem, they give them what's known as the chef's kiss, a mutual agreement to kill them. After years of working in the restaurant, uh, a new guy on the scene, Bubsy Bobcat, an upcoming street thug, is refused entry to Joey's and vows to make a name for himself by assassinating all the mob bosses. Uh, during the carnage, Joey is the only survivor and is framed and has a hit put out on him by all the gangs. And he has to do what he vowed he never would, go into the family business, find Bubsy and clear his name. And that's it. God damn. Wow. It's a good film. That's really good. Yeah. I don't mean to sound so surprised when I say that's a really good. I was <laughs> really hoping that there was a bit where you'd say, and with the help of his little Rat friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. rat could be like a gangster rat that has an existential crisis where it's like, yeah, I'm a fucking rat, but I'm not a fucking rat, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to see a gangster thriller film where it turns out that one of them has a rat under his hat, like the little trilby thing they wear, uh, and he's just um, <laughs> directing the mob boss around and like making him shoot really good and stuff. That, that, makes, that, makes, that makes perfect sense to me. And then he's like, you guys think about it. You've got crime, decay, desolation, perfect environment to breed more rats. It's all been part of the plan. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> called the Rat Pack. Oh. Oh. Hello. It. That's it. Absolutely on form. Cool. Well, that's my it. pitch. <laughs> Can I just ke- uh, check real quick, Matt? What is the name of the uh, restaurant that uh, Joey opens? At the moment, I've just got it down as Joey's Place. <laughs> okay, it just got it. was a generic sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's just it's mainly in the film there'll be a half an hour montage of him cooking, which isn't technically a montage, but <laughs> yeah, it's know. just an uncut start to finish meal being prepared in the middle yeah, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, whereas most gangster films have a like a montage of the cooking, we have a, a whole meal going on. Like it's all in the bottom corner. There's always a shot of like someone cooking in live in real time. That's the great thing. It has nothing to do with the plot. You could have it if this is a thriller and it has to be tense. You could have a ticking clock element, a bit like uh, you know Hitch- Hitchcock says about uh, suspense. I think it is uh, where it's uh, if people are playing cards and there's a bomb under the table and they don't know, but we do. If we know in some way, once Joey finishes cooking, uh, that something's going to happen. We've got that in the bottom corner where we're cutting between them, and it's like, oh no, he's finished, he's finished, and then he goes to grab the uh, the seasoning. It's like, okay, no, we've got a little bit longer, we've got a little bit longer <laughs> seasoning it first, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, no, wait. Oh no, he's plating up. He's making sure it all looks nice. Okay, we've got a, a moment more. A moment more. Oh, could you do a chef's commentary as well? So you could like yeah. per- turn off the sound on the film and you just hear the chef commenting on what's happening in the film while he's cooking. Yeah. <laughs> You're like a film for the digital age. D- doesn't a pivotal scene of The Godfather take place in front of like a rack of tomatoes? Yeah. Uh, so so you, we could almost just lift that scene out complete and that's an example of someone getting the chef's kiss they're out buying fresh produce and then bang they, yeah. this and there's it. a godfather character where you see him putting the eggs into his cheek and leaving him there 
<laughs> I've got some questions, Matt, about the uh, the chef's kiss as an action. So yep. uh, what sort of things will get you thrown so out of favor that you would receive the chef's kiss and have a hit put on you? Uh, microwave meals, they're a big no-no in this yeah. film. Yeah. Is, that, uh, is that within the restaurant's uh, perimeter or just if anyone catches wind of a microwave meal, you're out? Imagine if you brought a microwave into a restaurant. <laughs> I mean, you deserve a hit put out on you in that. Well, that, that's, that's actually one of the lines at the end of the film because the, the climax takes is a shootout in the restaurant and someone goes, you brought a microwave to a restaurant fight? <laughs> <laughs> and then he opens the door on their face and they go, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so before before we return back to the ending of the shootout, which I, I think is, is good, uh, I want to just know, so when they receive the chef's kiss and, and there's a hit put on them, is there any kind of like a dramatic irony or, or whatever we can work in where say the hits are in some way cooking related, like he gets fried or he gets deboned, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Deboned. <laughs> it always sounds like the opposite of getting lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a horrible scene with a like interrogation scene with a neutral bullet. It's it's it's, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's the messiest scene in any gangster film. Put the lid oh. on. I can. I gotta get his arm in there. Oh my god. Oh, that's oh, the visual torture of like you know using a microwave to make pasta. And he's like, what are you doing with that fork? I'm just making some holes in the film so the food cooks better. You're going too far. I'll tell you what you want to know. <laughs> I'll tell you anything. Tell you and then anything. he goes, he's like, oh, is this your tomato sauce? Be a shame if some Dolmio fell in there. It's made by Procter & Gamble. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, you think there's blood everywhere, but it's just bolognese. Yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> just a, a, a real twist about an hour in as well, because it's, it's a classic four-hour gangster film. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, one, yeah, of the, one of the gangs is the Dolmio puppets from the... the uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're all still puppets, but no one mentions it. It's great. <laughs> I love the idea of re- recreating that uh, bit from Reservoir Dogs with a big canister of veg, you know, extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> yeah. Just like tipping it over the guy's sucker <laughs> in the middle. With you. Yeah. And all through the film, you're listening to Carrie Billy's super recipes of the 70s. And they just <laughs> yeah. read recipes out in that voice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, lo- I love dousing someone in extra virgin and then setting them on fire. Uh, and then uh, the cops come in and they're like, Smells really nice, though. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then, and then they, like, they start rubbing them with like garlic on there as well. And then like there's like a, what are you gonna do with that big old bed full of flour? We're gonna make a fucking escalope if I don't find out what I want to fucking know. <laughs> are you, you, you from you from Milan, Tony? I'm not. You're about to be Milanese if I don't find out what the fuck I want to know. <laughs> Whenever they bury the bodies, the, they they just create a little well in the dirt <laughs> yeah. and then have to fold the dirt in on them. <laughs> <laughs> and every single time that the police chief is like we suspect that fennel was used in this murder <laughs> oh and then you're gonna have a sequel called doing time but it's spelled oh, t-h-y-m-e yeah. Oh, yeah the final the final in the trilogy when we really start to run out of steam and we need to make sure you know, like saw the final chapter where like <laughs> no we need to make sure that everyone knows this is the end uh it, it'd be called it'd be called <laughs> chef's kiss salt the earth <laughs> it's yeah. just Every, every, everyone dies. Yeah. <laughs> this chef, and this time, he's not just anti pesta, he's anti everybody. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can Bubsy Bobcat be played by Bobcat? 
Oh, yeah. Gold, yeah. Bobcat Goldwave. I have another good idea, Ben! <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He's a director now. He directed a few good movies, actually. Uh, I can't remember which ones he's done, but I know he did a real good comedy film. Rory, Bobcat. that's your job. Yeah. This is Bobcat Goldthwaite from uh, Police Academy 2, Police Academy 3, Police Academy 4, and Shakes the Clown from 1991. If, can you imagine a cooking show with Bobcat as the voice, though? Just imagine the recipes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take some bread and put it in a toaster and... Oh no, maybe I got some butter. <laughs> and that peanut butter and jelly because I don't have it. <laughs> Who's googling for that recipe? <laughs> so Matt, uh, who do we think could play D- Joey Dacino? Well, D- Joey Dacino is obviously uh, Joe Pesci, um, uh, Al Pacino, and Robert De Niro rolled all into of one. Yeah, okay. so I think I think we could we could CGI up a monster. Uh, <laughs> just just use use the technology they had in the Irishman but to to yeah. on three people so <laughs> they all overlap, play it. overlap them all yeah they all play it at the same time and then using technology we just squish them into one person so so just just for my for my notes uh, sake so uh, Bobsy Bobcat when he's refused entry um to yeah. the uh, to to Joey's place uh yeah. he he does what exactly and then frames Joey just so he's, i have it clear he's basically Benny Blanco from Carlito's way so he's trying to rise, but everyone thinks he's like not a not a stand up guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he basically because his pride's hurt, he gets his his boys are on the rise, and he yeah. just guns them down. Oh, so it's more uh, it's more like a statement. He just wants to be like, look what I can do. Yeah, but because because Joey's the only witness, and uh, like there's not many yeah. mob bosses left. Yeah. Uh, Bobcat uses the narrative to say it was Joey who was getting revenge for his father's death years uh, ago. So. Oh, because Joey has an established dis- distaste for yeah. the mob, and so he's yeah. the perfect uh, the perfect person to pin it on. Yeah, and it's a cross mob yeah. meeting. They're like, no one from any of these gangs would assassinate their own boss, so it's got to be the guy who hates them all. Maybe it's not a gunning down. Maybe it's uh, one of uh, uh, Bobby's boys, as they're called, Bobby's boys. Uh, he he gets a job in the restaurant and poisons them all. So then it's more keeping in with the the sort of narrative. Amazing. And so then Joey has to clear his name, and that's presumably the finale of the movie leads up to that some sort of confrontation are we uh yeah. is it some sort of cooking confrontation uh they should do it like ready steady cook they get given <laughs> yeah. bags with ingredients yeah yeah it is they do a ready steady cook off joey clears his name but the the twist is the final shot is he sits in the chair that one of the mob bosses always sits into and you realize he's got that moment like that godfather moment where he has become his father and he's his like last line is you know what? I don't think I'm hungry no more. Oh. oh, also, also, I've got a tagline for it, guys, which is a uh, chef's kiss. Food be the language of death. No. Ooh, oh, like wow. That's good. We'll be back in a moment, but just a quick reminder that you can find us on social media at You Watched Pod. Why don't you say hello? Or even go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. That'd be really nice. In fact, I'd, I'd rather you did that. Do that. And then and then say hi on social media. And then we can be friends. Yay! Dane, what gangster thriller pitch have you got for us? Okay, so the working title for this show is Robo Hip Hop Apocalypse. It's terrible. 
but hear me out. <laughs> now, we know the gangster genre has basically overturned every stone from the law. So now we take the game intergalactic. So this is an intergalactic gangster thriller. Ooh. Nice. So our president, the president of a dystopian Western nation, which I won't name, has, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> has inherited massive debts as a result of some very shady business practices and multiple bankruptcies that now he has passed on that debt to this government. That government, in turn, has used its citizens as collateral to a secret shadow society of intergalactic crime syndicate known as the Monochrome. The Monochrome make their money by racketeering and taking popular culture and arts from various planets throughout the solar system and then selling those at discounted prices, depriving human beings literally of their intellectual property through their various use of technology. So you imagine a neuralizer literally stealing ideas and imagination centralizing wow. that and selling it to the highest bidder intergalactically. Now, our president's in debt to them too and has basically given them carte blanche to remove the intellectual property and the wealth of imagination and creativity from the populace. Our only hope is former communications nerd and expert on popular culture, Cobalt Brown. He must now assemble a team in order to defeat our now completely corrupted president who is now pretty much an intergalactic cybernetic puppet on behalf of the monochrome ruling neo Americish and save the galaxy. <laughs> it's a good job this is sci-fi game because otherwise this would be a terrifying concept. I mean, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine somebody like that being in control of a nuclear arsenal? So, Heavens. yeah. So pretty much, this is the pitch for the show: is that you know this president is aware of this fact and therefore strikes up a deal with the monochrome, who provided him with an entire crime syndicate of people defending, including Diamond and Silk. I love Diamond and Silk. Diamond and Silk. And although their names sound sweet and sophisticated, you can imagine these two women are what would happen if two Chechenian rebels had sex and gave birth on a Jerry Springer show. Oh my, oh my gosh. Is that their backstory? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I can't wait to see that news montage. Yeah. Jane, do they, when they steal the ideas, do they sort of traffic people in Clockwork Orange them? Or is it more Riddler from uh, Batman Forever? where he's got the TV thing. I think it's a mixture of both, but it's it's a mixture of both in that people are abducted and then you do find them in, I guess, what would be the equivalent of FEMA camps where they are drained of their intellectual property ideas and creativity. Mm. Mm. That is in turn transformed into a tangible kind of quasi-ectoplasm and that in turn is then distributed as a narcotic to boost creativity on an Ooh. intergalactic scale. And that's how the racket works. I see. So, so instead of it being like... Uh... It's not a meritocracy or, you know, like it's not about talent. It's about who, you know, uh, the people who know people can literally just take the talent yeah. as well. They can suck the talent out of people's heads. Exactly. It's put a, it in their own the next stage of plutocracy. The rich, the rich can give it to their yep. kids. There you go. Because yep. at this particular point in time, oh. you can't pass on wealth uh, genetically, you know, which is why you have so many people who wake up next to their partners realizing why are our children ugly? Oh, yeah, you were just rich. But now yeah. <laughs> what they can do is actually yeah, take the creativity and then rob you know, creatives are that final piece or gift that can allow for social mobility. You know what? I realise that there's a lot of gangster films that I haven't seen, and I think it's purely because there isn't enough mention of quasar ectoplasm. There's not enough. So, Dane, I'm wondering, so this is obviously, there's a lot of concepts here. There's a lot of stuff going on, so i really love to hear. No, I think it's very straightforward. It's very, I know, I know. You look, I, look, mate, 
I, I, I'm not having a problem. Don't I, you get I, I'm it, very, Rory? I'm a very intelligent person. So, uh, <laughs> Rory works for them. I, I, I'd be, yeah, Dane, just keep giving me this idea and I'm storing it in a jar. Oh my gosh. We're on an actual show where we're asking for your ideas. <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd just really like to hear, Dane, what is the first scene? So like we fade up from black. What is the first scene we see to kind of set the stage, set what's going on? What do you think? The first scene begins just like this. We are in like a boardroom discussing creative pitches in a yeah. very relatively small, kind of like independent, but I suppose... Cupboard. Yeah, independent cupboard slash uh, boardroom. And people are discussing yeah. ideas. Now, the scale of this studio, it's a relatively small studio. Think something like, you know, Sanchez Productions, right? <laughs> yes. You know, that, just to give you an idea of scale. So these guys are on a call, everyone's discussing ideas, and they're like, finally, guys, we've worked it out. And that is how Desperado Part 3 is going to happen. So now we've generated anticipation amongst the audience. Suddenly, yeah. windows begin smashing all over the place. And then all of these dark figures come in. They kidnap these guys. They bound them. They gag them. They drag them out. Nice. One person yeah. remains, has enough time to crawl across the floor because he fights them off. And with his last dying <laughs> breath, he sends out the distress signal to Cobalt Brown. Nice. Q titles. Nice. <sighs> I love it. So these are monochrome. These are monochrome thugs, right? Monochrome thugs. Or I like to call them monochrome shock troopers or uh, yes. you could even call them thought troopers <laughs> yeah. you mean brainstorm troopers oh! Oh! Hello. Oh, i better run <laughs> they'll be wanting that they, they'll hear that they'll hear that yeah are they are they replacing the people they take to make it look like nothing's happening no not at all they just create a uh air of hysteria and fear and make people believe that these people are in fact dissidents from the state and, uh, you know, encourage people to turn against creators because they are seen as being, yeah, uh, political malcontents. How does the monochrome work in terms of, because it's organized crime, right. but obviously if they're, if they're, if it's intergalactic, then what law, you know, because to be organized crime as opposed to just organized political systems, then there needs to be a law that they're breaking for it to be classified as crime. So is there like a universal law set out like is there someone who's meant to be enforcing that law that they're working behind i guess it all comes under what's referred to as the ig rico statute which is the intergalactic racketeering and corrupt organizations act which was uh first coined by the uh, federation in the star date 20x42 now i don't know the intricacies of the legislation but i am aware that you're stealing <laughs> intellectual property from uh, and culture from other planets and basically the act of uh psychological and cerebral racketeering and breaking and entering so if i'm stealing from the minds of the people and setting that to the highest bidder big big intergalactic capital crime <laughs> dane when when beck asked you how your cupboard was earlier you neglected to say that it's covered in post-it notes and string at the moment well <laughs> <laughs> i mean she didn't specify which cupboard <laughs> I was, so i'm wondering dane we've got our main our main guy cobalt brown uh, so he is uh, going up against Monochrome, this kind of international mob organization. So who is Cobalt Brown? Does he fall under an organization or is he an uh, independent uh, actor? Like what, what's, what's going on? So Cobalt Brown, uh, played by Kevin Hart, is a, was a former communications nice. officer uh, with the, uh, the US military who uh, has now become a blogger on all things popular uh, culture and all kitsch. Problem being is that uh, due to his profile, he's not really being seen as being one of the most foremost experts on uh, popular culture. Uh, so he's just basically trying to make his bones and increase his awareness. So he starts uh, uncovering this plot and starts relaying this to various different points on social media, which is subject to ridicule until he is met with 
by uh, international vigilante Serafina, who is played by Gabori Sadibi. Here's the twist, though. Gabori Sadibi is the voice. So she played Precious. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, though, is that because of the fact that she is aware that she can't pass by undetected by the monochrome, she's had to take her consciousness and put it into that exoplasm and inject that into Dave Franco. So it's Dave Franco, <laughs> but with Gabor Shadibi's voice. <laughs> I don't want to say that you're, you're getting predictable, Dane, but I saw that coming. I saw that coming. So, so this is a secret thing. This is something I didn't know up until now. So basically the president of neo Americish has struck a deal with this international crime syndicate to basically put people's creativity up as collateral, but the people don't know. So uh, their, their IP is being whisked away and stolen and they... Uh, it's kind of like a surprise. But only a very select few know that this is going on. Absolutely, because the president also has a very uh, aggressive and very corrupt media machine. What? Um, who plays Diamond and Silk? Uh, so Diamond and Silk will be played by Tia and Tamara Maori from the hit Nickelodeon show, Sister, Sister. Oh, yes. <laughs> so who, who are, uh, what is their role? Because I, I was uh, midway through noting. Diamond and Silk uh, are a part of the president's new cabinet. And they yeah. basically work uh, duly as both his concubines and his assassins. And they are basically the yeah. main leaders in this uh, security detail that constantly surround the president and protect him with his life. So you imagine like Bill from Kill Bill and the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. It's like that, mm-hmm. but with like racists and bigots. and yeah. so, 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 to, so to free themselves from the larger threat, they have to take down the president and standing in their way is diamond and silk all the while while they're trying to come up with amazing ideas to defeat the president they need to make sure those ideas aren't being caught by monochrome it's a very they're they're really on a tightrope this is the best gangster film i've ever heard of it's it's got it's got pangs of they live as well which means just just as a little thing that you should pull in you should have cobalt try to convince keith david it's happening just so you can have a, a 10 minute wrestling match in the middle oh all four this is a film about taking ideas away and uh you know embellish creativity there's going to be some wrestling in this <laughs> yeah. there's going to be some wrestling in this. i don't know if you know this but the current leader of the free world has fought in wwe before so it yeah, would be yes. remiss of us if we were going to attempt any satire to leave that part out you could have it like a, a sci-fi gangster version of the end of gladiator when um, Thingy, um, what's he called, Joaquin Phoenix, goes in to fight Maximus, but you have the president going in to fight Cobalt. He approaches Cobalt Brown before they enter into the Colosseum, and he's like, I've got all the best ideas. Not only do I have all the best ideas, I have everybody else's best ideas, and chooses to inject himself with the creative ectoplasm of some of the most (sighs) prolific cage fighters, martial arts, and military strategists known in the world. However, you'd think this would work out, but unfortunately, the president in his hubris, overloads himself. And then this is for you, Beck. You get that whole Akira Tetsuo moment when he just, uh, right? Do I need to say any more, guys? Wow. Do I need to say any more? Yeah, yeah. If this is going to be a cult classic, you need to have at least one ending that the test audiences will hate. And then you can yeah. be the other ending. Oh, you've got to have the alternate ending. I'll have to have an alternate ending because this is about ideas. So that's what's going to be one of seven other alternate endings. I feel like one of the endings needs to be the fact that if you were gorging yourself on all of these thoughts and ideas and everything, then eventually you're going to realize that there's so much out there. It would actually broaden your mind and you'd probably become a much more empathetic person for it. Then you know, because we're, be, we're supposed to be a collective consciousness. But if you can begin to commodify imagination and creativity and keep selling it, how slippery is that slope? So maybe the, maybe there's a machine that explodes and then all the thoughts go across the universe. That's right. And then everyone gets 
everyone's collective giving birth to an intergalactic renaissance of creates unified creativity we can even mix a little bit of um kingsman in there where say all the the talent that has been put in people's heads where it don't belong like forcibly rips out and flies back to the correct person so all the people who've injected themselves with talent wrongly just their heads just get yeah exploded. it begins to reject it, yeah. it, and it exactly and it yeah. and it can't take like you know the equivalent of like the methadone to like quieten that and stop it happening so now their body begins to reject yeah. it and then it just distributes everywhere. And then at the end, there's a post credit scene when Cobalt Brown is looking out the window. And then he's like, I think that rainbow's got 11 colors. And then you just hear someone go, <laughs> just an idea I had. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Genuinely just got goosebumps. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm loving those gangster thriller pictures. Rory, let's hear those ideas back. Yes, so we've got two amazing new uh, ideas which could fit into the gangster thriller genre. First up, we've got Matt's idea, which is Chef's Kiss. It features Doe Giacchino, played by Joe Pesci, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro all at one time, who (laughs) always wanted to be a chef uh, after cooking for his father's mob when growing up. And there's always been pressure for him to join the family business, but... He wants no part of that. All he wants is to open a restaurant, much to the dismay of his family. But on his father's deathbed, he gives him enough money to open his dream restaurant. And the dream does come true, at least for a moment. Soon enough, after opening his restaurant, Joey's Place, it becomes the place for neutral negotiations between mobs of all backgrounds and allegiances, including the puppet mascots from Dolmio Pasta Sauce. They're there too. But... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but not just anything will go if you want in on this incredibly useful negotiation spot no if you are cast from the mob's favor by eating undesirable meals or any other kind of cooking sins uh, there's an established practice where if you do one of these things a vote will be held and you may receive the chef's kiss which is a cross mob hit which people can't escape from, which involves various cooking methods to assassinate a person, including one especially gory uh, Nutribullet scene, uh, which the less we go into that, the better. But this uh, somewhat idyllic practice uh, doesn't last long because soon enough, up-and-coming mobster Bobsy Bobcat, who wants to rise to the top as soon as possible, concocts a plan where he's going to assassinate all the mobs all at the same time in the restaurant. And how's he going to do it? He's going to do it by poison and frame the already established anti-mob owner of the restaurant, Joey. So now Joey has no choice but to do and do what he swore he never would, which is to join the mob and clear his name. And as the tagline says, food be the language of death. That is Chef's Kiss. Next, we've got Robo Hip Hop Apocalypse. Opening scene. The year is sometime after 20x14, after that law passed that we talked about. There's a board meeting. Positive noises. Everyone loves what they're coming up with. Turns out Desperados 3 is in the making and this group of people have absolutely nailed it. But the positivity doesn't last long. Windows begin shaking. Explosions. In through the window burst the monochrome brainstorm troopers, gagging and sweeping people away. A distress call is sent out, but to who? It's too late. The final person is yanked out of sight, never to be seen again. This is Robo Hip Hop Apocalypse, an intergalactic gangster thriller. 
The president has inherited massive debt and has pushed it all on the country and the world of beautiful Neo-Americish. To dig his way out of this financial mess, he's struck up a secret deal with Monochrome, an intergalactic mob who takes arts and culture and sell this IP all over the galaxy by abducting creatives and people with talent from across the globe and draining their brains and body of their talent in the form of quasi-ectoplasm which the rich across the galaxy can inject into themselves uh, to gain that talent for themselves. With all creativity being sold to the highest bidder, former communications officer for the government, Cobalt Brown, played by Kevin Hart, must now assemble a team, including Gaborne Sidibe, whose brain has been transferred into Dave Franco, to defeat the presidential puppet running near Amerikish and release themselves from the grapple of monochrome and stop their creativity being stolen. All the while they're fighting this mental battle against monochrome, uh, trying to keep their attempts from uh, and ideas from being abducted out of their bodies, and they're in a physical battle with the concubine assassin Double Teen Diamond and Silk who stand by the president's side at all times. How does the movie end? It's all up for grabs, really. We've got many different endings that could happen. But it's an absolute deal breaker that all endings will at least have one scene which will feature the president expanding and exploding, much like the ending of Akira. In a post credit scene, no matter what happens, we'll look out over a beautiful rainbow with 11 colours. Seems like the sky is the limit for ideas now that the mob's control has been wrested from them. And that is... Robo Hip Hop Apocalypse, the second two amazing ideas in the gangster thriller genre. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, can you send that to me as well, please? Yes, I will. <laughs> I will. When it becomes a film and I'm outside in a tinfoil hat being like, this is my idea! <laughs> Move along, please. Yeah. Everyone, will go, everyone yeah. will go, that's a bit meta, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for summarising those, Rory. That is fantastic. Thanks to our guests today. We've got wonderful Dane and Matt. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, yes, please. Uh, uh, I'd like to plug uh, Matt's cats. And then uh, I'd just like to say, yeah, for uh, those who've not seen it yet, uh, Sunny D is currently on the BBC iPlayer, so please do check it out. And uh, check out my podcast is... Dane Baptiste questions everything, which is on the Acast network, and uh, it is the second best podcast in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your uh, handle on socials, Dane? Uh, it's uh, Dane Baptiste, uh, and also socials. So I'm a, my accounts are verified. Matt, anything you want to plug? Uh, just the usuals. I make a lot of dumb videos, put them out on Twitter and YouTube and stuff like that. And yeah, I've got a lot of cats that are getting a bit old. So if that's your thing, um, please. Uh, DM me privately and I'll send you one. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you can subscribe and review to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at YouWatchedPod. Bye! This episode of Because You Watched featured Dame Baptiste, Matt Hyten, Rory Binks and me, Beck Hill. It was produced by Joe Grace and Martin Tricky. 